following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Anybody feel like running with the Giants today? (laughs) I love what Pastor Brad said, and I'm going to re-echo it, or echo it, and re-echo it, and re-echo it through this message today. I love what he said. It's not time to just try to endure summer. Let's enjoy summer. Let's enjoy this. You know, a lot of people just can't wait till the fall gets here. And then when the fall gets here, just can't wait for the winter. Can't wait for the new year. Come on, let's get into today. And let's enjoy what God has for us today. Let's do that, all right? Care group here tonight at 6 o'clock, Holy Spirit teaching, and we're going to enjoy it. We're going to have a wonderful time. It's not church. It is not church. Don't come expecting church. It's just instruction on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about it, and you're going to enjoy it tonight. To all of our people that are viewing by Facebook or on our webcast, we thank you for showing showing up today and and tuning in. We thank you for that. And to our church in Tulsa, we give them a hand right now. Let's give the church in Tulsa a hand. We love them. And stand to your feet and look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor preach today. Stand up all over the house. Stand up all over the house. Amen. We're going to have a little church here today. And uh, we're going to have a good, 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 good time. I just feel wonderful about what God's going to do here. Everybody say, Elisha. Oh, I love this man. I love this man. Hebrews 12 has been our keynote address scripture ever since we started this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Everybody say, I'm ready to run with the giants. This week, Elisha. Not Elijah. That was Elisha's mentor. I love you. You're awesome people. You may be seated. I want to preach to you a little. Elijah, folks, was always great. He was always great. He never died. He's one of the two men that were translated from this earth, and he went up in a chariot of fire. The other was Enoch, who never died. Elijah was considered the greatest Old Testament prophet. He stood against evil against the prophets of Baal and Jezebel and Ahab. And he recorded in his life, you can Google it, 14 miracles, major miracles. Matthew 17, Elijah shows up in the New Testament when Jesus was transfigured with Moses, another man. It was a glorified body day, I called it, a glorified body day in front of three disciples. And then the last book of the Bible in Revelation, during the tribulation, two witnesses will appear in Jerusalem and they will They will be killed and they will raise up again. And many people believe it will be Moses and Elijah. Elijah was a big figure, an important guy. So why aren't we talking about him? Because we can't relate to him. None of us have been translated. And none of us can fit his microcosm life. But Elisha we can. Because Elisha had what we called an obscure start. But he had this massive finish. And there's a lot of people that are obscure today that God wants to make you finish strong as you've ever finished in your life. 28 recorded miracles according to the word of God followed Elisha. Last one was after he was dead. He doubled Elijah. 
The beginning wasn't great. In fact, he spent most of his life wondering this question, will my life ever count? His story is our story. Most of his story was this horrible word called waiting. Anybody ever been waiting? You husbands, you ever been waiting on a woman? That's a favorite song of mine in the country western world. I won't sing it right now. He was waiting. He was dreaming and nothing happened. And Elisha spent most of his life just being a farmer. And he, was steer, he, steer, he steered his oxen. He was trying to plow with oxen. He plowed a field with two oxen. Here's a news break. This is a not so great Monday to Saturday job. Plowing with oxen. Every day oxen. Hear me. Every day for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Your vantage point is the rear end of two oxen. You can go ahead and laugh. It's funny. You hearing me? Then, then, then you get something else. You get the residue thereof. A couple of times a day. I'm preaching to somebody. And you get to watch them produce that residue and you actually get a smell of it all day. And some of you are thinking right now, that's my life. That's my posture. If a picture's worth a thousand words and I'm going to show a pic of a man with two oxen plowing, check his vantage point. Look at it. You see what his view is? Some are saying, that's my Monday through Saturday look alike. I'm right on today. I'm preaching good right now because that pic right there says it all. So for years and years and years, Elisha was plowing oxen. Looking at the backside of the oxen and smelling the residue thereof. And yet he jumps on the track of our life and he said, I had no idea that even though my life would start that way, I would actually see God do twice the miracles as the greatest person that I ever knew in my life, Elijah. So many of us see ourselves today incorrectly. We see ourselves negatively. Hear me today. We see ourselves as that picture, those oxen. My life doesn't matter, Pastor Rex. It doesn't count. Though you think Monday through Friday is all you see is oxen rear ends and smells. Elisha, and I would like you to know that God has greatness for everybody in this house. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got greatness for you. So how do I get from the point that I am to the point of greatness with God? Write this down. Give your best wherever God put you. If you have to clean restrooms on your job, if you have to sweep floors, if you have to do all the grunt work on your job, give it your best. When you're doing the mundane, when you're doing the monotonous, when you're doing the smelly stuff that's not fun, are you ready for this? God is watching God is watching when you're doing the mundane, when you're doing the monotonous stuff. He watches how you're going to respond to it. He watches how you're going to handle it. He watches what you're going to do with it. And these giants that we've been preaching about would be coming out of the stands and they would say, here's how God works. You can't get along with God unless you realize how God actually works. He's watching you. He's watching you before you become great to see if you have the potential to actually be great. So what I'm telling you is when everything is mundane and everything's monotonous, be great in the mundane. Be great on Monday. Be great on Tuesday. Amen. Be great. He would say wherever you are, at school, at work, at home, wherever, give your best. Just give your best because God is watching. 
Let me give you three areas of life that you need to give your best in. You ready for me to preach to you? In the first service today, I was telling about my pastor. I had a great pastor. He was from, he was from the Arab lands, and he was a great preacher. And, and sometimes when people wouldn't get with him, he said, I'm going to help myself. And he just helped himself preach. He just say, amen, <laughs> preach, preach. So I got this handkerchief just in case you don't get with me today. I'm going to preach good anyhow. Everybody say, give your best in obscurity because God will reward it. You know what obscurity means? Obscurity means you think you're not even being noticed by anybody, even God. Watch this. Elijah went and found Elisha, 1 Kings 19, a son of Shapheth plowing in the field. And there were 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the twelfth team. And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. That's how they met. Elijah never said a word to him. Elisha admires this guy. Everybody admired Elijah. And all of a sudden Elijah shows up on the scene in the field. And he's plowing his field and there's twelve teams of oxen in that field. Note to all, Elisha was not a poor man. Nobody had twelve teams of oxen and were poor. That means he was probably from a very wealthy family. And Elisha's plowing with the 12th team because he let the other 11 teams off. 22 oxen were watching two work that day. And when Elijah threw his cloak over him, in those days it was a sign of, hey, you want to come work for me? You want to come work for me? Hiring somebody, taking them on. And the cloak was like a covering to that person. And he threw his cloak across his shoulders and he just walked away. And for 10 years, folks, 10 years, nothing happens. 10 years. And Elisha knows he's been called by the man of God. We feel that. He's had dreams and we know that. Why is it taking so long? Ten years. He followed him to Gilgal. He followed him to Bethel. He followed him to Jericho. And then he finally followed him to the Jordan. But he followed for ten years. Here's the point. God is watching how you handle the obscure times in your life. When I was a little old kid, and I'm, I'm not... I'm not Bragging on me today. But when I was a little kid, I, I loved all things God. I loved God. I loved God when I was a boy. And, and, and I, used to, I used to want to mimic a preacher. There was a kind of a fat preacher that lived in Borger, Texas, out in West Texas. And I used to put a pillow up under my shirt and beat him. <laughs> and there was another named Frank Martin. And my brother used to put one up under his shirt. And he was Frank. And I was Brother Tim's. And it was just an awesome thing. We'd preach to each other in the backyard, build pulpits and everything. We baptized dogs. That's a fact. My dog got baptized nine nearly every day. Tried to catch some cats one time. You can't baptize cats. Cat will run from you. Before they do, they'll scratch you and bite you. Then they'll run away. So make sure you got a willing vessel when you start to baptize things in your backyard. But church was my joy. I loved church. We didn't have a big church, about 30 people in the church. But I loved going to church, and it wasn't because the kids were there, because there wasn't a lot of kids there. But I just loved church. I loved something about church. Church smelled good. I just loved church. I loved the feeling of church. And I just thought it was so cool to come to church. And one Sunday, it, rained, it, it snowed 17 inches in Leveland, Texas, and we, we went to church, and the pastor called us at the church and said we wouldn't have church that day because nobody could get to church, and we were there waiting on everybody. <laughs> I just loved all things church. I love church. And I used to pray, God, send me to Africa if you want me to. Send me to South America. And that's the only two I knew to pray to because that's all we ever heard in our church was Africa and South America. 
I didn't know there was other places you could go and be a missionary. But I just loved all things church. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6. He said, your father who sees what is done in secret is going to reward you. And he gave three examples in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray, don't be sticking out your chest like this and say, hey, I'm the man in Jesus' name. I'm the prayer partner in this church. Don't do that. And he said, when you fast, don't be showing everybody, oh, I'm fasting and sucking in your jaws and saying, look how poor I look. I've been fasting for two days. Don't do that. And when you give, don't, when the bucket comes by, go, pachin, get you some of that, ushers. Don't be that guy. He said, because whatever you do, not, everybody say not, not. for recognition's sake. He said, I'll recognize you and I'll promote you. Yeah. Amen. We need to pray just because it's all right to pray. We need to fast because it's all right to fast. We need to give because it's all right to give. Not to impress anybody because God sees everything you do. And he'll reward you openly with what he has. And Elisha would tell us that. Not for the 28 miracles I'd do someday. But that is what I did. I understood that you've got to give your best in small things. And God will give you bigger things to do. Say it with me. You've got to give your best. In small things. And God will give you bigger things to do. God cares about details, folks. And I was taught details early in my life. My dad (laughs) was a detail person. He's military. World War II vet. Boy, I miss him. If you had seen my dad's lawn, it looked like he used scissors on it. It was perfect. By the way, I've got a pic of him. I've got to turn around and look at him again. There he is. I love you, Daddy. Leave it up there. Let him, let him just maturate on that picture. It's an old World War II vet. In fact, my dad taught my brother and me how to do certain parts of the yard. But until he did it his way, he taught us how to do it his way, he would not let us touch those parts of the yard. We got to mow but not do the, the corners and not do the hedges and not do the things. Of course, I praise God for that as a boy. In secret, I said, amen, glory to God. Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. I messed up, Dad. You need to come fix this corner because I messed it up. But I learned watching my dad. He was a very detailed person. He did the little. He had this motto. I'd rather you do fewer things extremely well than a lot of things not well. Dad even had this thing called a kickstand theory. Kickstand. He bought us bikes and he said, son, that kickstand's there for a purpose just like those pedals are. When you bring it in for a landing, hit that kickstand and pull it over on the kickstand. Don't throw that bike on the ground. He said, it won't have long life. You want long life because we don't have a lot of money. He said, for for crying out loud, son, put the kickstand down. Small things matter. He said, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. My dad, my dad, I promise you, five, six years before he died, it was a joy to go to his house in Marlowe, Oklahoma, and see his garage and his cellar. My dad would always take new people to his cellar and to his garage. He was so proud of them. You could literally eat off the floor of my dad's garage. Not with a plate, on the floor. My dad mopped it every other day. He had bottled water from Walmart stacked perfectly. He had Dr. Peppers beside him stacked perfectly. He wiped his truck and his car down every evening when he brought him into the garage. He had this special rag that he wiped. His, My God. And then he had these running boards 
that he pulled his car and his truck up on because he didn't want the wheels of the, of the cars to mess up the newly mopped floor. You think he was a little OCD? His grill, his grill. He cooked the best hamburgers. His grill, he cleaned it after he cooked. He didn't wait till the next cooking and say, oh God, I got to clean the grill. You could walk out any day of the week and twice on Sunday and his grill would be clean because he cleaned it on the back side, not on the front side when he's fixing to do it again. In his car, when he got half empty, he filled it up. He lived on the half full, not the half empty scale. He said, son, one day you're going you're gonna to love me for this. He said, you're going to have a car and you're going to need that car right now. And if you've had that car filled up, if you get that car filled up, you'll be able to do anything you want to in the middle of the night, son. And you may have emergencies, and boy, I did. Mama failed all the time, and I had to go to it at 2.30. And I said, thank you, Dad, for letting me understand how to keep a, tr- a car full of gas. That's just Dad. He just did the small things. To- Elisha would say details. It's about details. The Bible said in 19 of 1 Kings, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. And he used the wood from the plow to build the fire to roast their flesh. And he passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Elijah folks just left. He said, Hey, you're anointed. You're called. See you in 10 years. Elisha said, no, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to walk from this right now. And he used the wood from the plow to build fire, to roast the flesh. And he went from farming to following a prophet of God. In fact, one passage said he poured water. Do you hear that? He poured water on the hands of Elijah for 10 years. Such a menial task. And he went from his wealth to this assistant. And God cares because God cares about the littlest details. Like my dad told me. He said, take care of your car, son. He helped me buy a new car in 1971. He said, keep the floorboard clean. People look at the floorboards of your car. He said, for God's sake, keep the outside clean. But keep your, he said, keep your trunk clean. He said, don't open your trunk and have a bunch of junk in that place. I don't want to say junk in trunk. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> and he said, son, keep your closet clean. Dad, I got something to confess to you. My floorboards are always clean. My trunk sometimes. But my closet, Dad, need a little help. But anyhow, that's how my ministry started. It was a small thing. I had a pastor out in Lubbock that, that got me a revival in Gina, Louisiana. You're going to love this. He got me a revival in Gina, Louisiana. And Gina, Louisiana is about this wide and about this long, the town. And, and, and the church is right beside a cemetery. And the pastor lived in another town 80 miles away. And he'd come to pastor him on Sunday and Wednesday. And, and, and I stayed in a house that was right beside a cemetery. And I was scared of cemeteries when I was single and by myself. I needed some help. Cemeteries bothered me. I'm sorry. They, did. they don't anymore, but they did then. And, and, and so the pastor always told me, answer the phone, son, because it might be me calling. So there wasn't no call ID or anything. And so one day, preaching in that church, about 40 people, 50 people, and the youth group started at 55. That was the young people. That was the 12-year-olds, 55. And I lived with a little old woman who was 80, 80 years old. Her name was Ida Wisby. She is 80 years old, and she challenged me every night with something biblical. And I'm just getting started preaching. It's my first revival, first revival. I'm just getting started. And one night I came in, and I put my tie down and laid it on the Bible. And she said, I rebuke you. Don't you lay anything on that word of God. Don't you lay nothing. I said, it's just my tie. She said, I know it, but it's your tie. It's not God's word. Little things. And then one day, this is the kind of people I was preaching at. 
1971. And she told me, she said, you know, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin never did land on the moon in 69. So they landed in New Mexico. Well, I had that to put up with. <laughs> and I started saying, God, do you know where I'm at? Do you know where I am today? And one day the phone rang in the parsonage of the pastor that wasn't there. And I picked it up and I said, hello. And the voice said, Brother Rick, how you doing? And I, saw, I thought he said, Brother Rex. I said, I'm fine, man. Who is this? He identified himself. He said, I need you to come while you're in the area. Come to my place and let's have revival. I said, okay. Where you at? He said, who are you? I said, I'm Rex. He said, you're not Rick? I said, no, I'm Rex. He said, where's Rick? I said, I don't know who Rick is. He said, I called over. I thought Rick Weiser was there, and I wanted him to come preach for me and give me a revival because he's blessed me before. He said, who are you? I said, I'm a young preacher just getting started, and I'd like to get to know you. He said, well, the Lord told me to call this number. You picked up the phone. Come preach for me. That's how it all started, folks. It don't matter how little it is. It don't matter how small it is. Pick up the phone and say, I'll be there, God, because God wants to do great things in our lives. Woo! Luke 16 said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little is also be dishonest with much. If you can't handle the little, he's not going to give you a whole lot more. Third thing I want to preach to you about is give your best in the natural. And God will do the supernatural. Look at Elisha's story. He's lived 10 years now. He's followed Elijah to all these places, poured water on his hand. Fast forward to Elijah getting ready to go now and leave this world. Elisha still has never done a single miracle. This is the scene where Elijah goes up in a chariot of fire and a whirlwind. If you want to read it, 2 Kings chapter 2. And Elijah and Elisha crossed the Jordan. And when they get there, Elijah and Elisha said to Elisha, Okay, I'm getting ready to leave and go to heaven. 2 Kings 2 said, When they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, You ready for this? He's obscure. He's come from little of nothing. He, 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 but he always did the little right. He said, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Time out right here. You that feel like your life does not matter. God is looking in, the, in you right in the eye right now and asking you this. What do you want me to do for you? Oh, Lord, bless the food today, the nourishment of our body, and give me a good day. Is that all you want? Is that the extent of your prayer? What do you want me to do for you today? Elisha went for it. He went all in. He said, I'll take a double portion of your spirit. Double up on everything you have. And Elijah said, you've asked a difficult thing. But all Elisha had to do was just ask. Sometimes we get in the doldrums of summer and we start praying little bitty prayers and just get us through to the fall. I wish on this 24th day of June 2018, somebody would step into their, into their realm of, of life and say, I want something great from you today, God. 
I want something awesome from you today, God. Jesus said it this way in John. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Come on now. Even those in the house that don't even know God well, it doesn't take ability to do this. You just got to ask. Just got to ask. Just got to ask. Can I ask you a question? Have you stopped asking God for big things in your life? You need to stop insulting God with small thinking. Napoleon had just conquered this famous island. And a young man came into him and said, sir, he said, what can I help you with, son? He said, I've served you, sir. I'd like to ask you a question. He said, what? He said, I want this island. Napoleon said, bring me the paper. And he signed the island over to one of his lieutenants. And they said, what are you doing, Napoleon? He said, I am so grateful that somebody wants to ask big enough to move me to writing something powerful for them. Here's what, if Napoleon can think that way. What do you think God's thinking right now? Come on. You've walked through obscurity. You've done little things well. Why don't you step up to the plate this summer and say, God, I need some big things in my life. Stop insulting God with small things. In fact, when I was writing this part of the message, I got so fired up. I started asking God. I started bragging on him. I said, God, you're a great God. Woo, I love you, God. You're awesome. You're mighty. You're massive. There's nothing you can't do. God, you healed me when I was two days old. I reminded him that. I said, you remember that, God? You healed me when I was seven years old and I was supposed to die. You remember that, God? And God, you took me through a tragedy in 1981, another one in 1992. And God, I'm still here. Four great things in my life. God, do you mind if I just ask you something? Would you mind to let CLC be a healing station in Austin, Texas and let people, ha, ha, let people walk in this house. Let people come in this house and be healed mentally, spiritually, physically and let them walk out of here not, in, not on canes and not in wheelchairs but in the will of God strong. Hallelujah. And by the way, Lord, while you're at it, let this house be a saving station. Let people walk in here and say, I'm going to trust the Lord with everything that's in my life. All God can say is no. He said, whosoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Really? No. He said, actually, you'll do even greater things. How in the world? Jesus, you had amazing miracles. He said, it's very simple. You need to ask me. Ask me. Why not? Why not? Ask. Why not pray for your kids that way? Why not pray for your job that way? Well, if, if it doesn't happen, well, then you're in the same place you started. But if it does happen, why not just ask? Pardon me. Elisha would say, I had no idea that I would go from an obscure place by only doing a few things. 
God was watching me in my obscurity. And he started rewarding me and blessing me in the little things like pouring water on a man's hands. And all I had to do was step out in faith and ask him for big things. And lo and behold, when Elijah was gone, I end up seeing 28 massive miracles, awesome stuff, all because I just asked. And I think we're kind of rounding the track now. He's getting ready to move on up. And next week, we're going to be talking about some great giant women of faith. And I could hear myself saying, how do you dream that big or even ask? And he said, Rex, don't give up on dreaming. Dream big dreams for God. And I asked how. He said, I'm going to show you how. And he took me to his, one of his first miracles, the very next chapter, 2 Kings chapter 3. And there was three, three kings from, from Israel and Judah and Edom that was at war with the king of Moab. And when, he, when, 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 when they came to a certain place, they ran out of water. And everything will die without water. And they're in trouble. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden... Somebody said, is there anybody in this place that knows anything about God? And one person said, you know what? You know what? There's a guy over here named Elisha, but all he's ever done is pour water on the hands of another man. Hallelujah. But Elisha said, I stepped up. Here's what I want to tell you what he preached to me. He said, Rex, you got to learn how to cultivate the presence of God. You got to learn how. You've got to learn to walk into the presence of God. It's not what you speak. It's what God does when you speak. It's not what you say. It's what God comes in and says, I'll cover that. I'll be over that. I'll blood wash that. I'll make that whole. I'll make that real. I'll make it alive. There's nothing can happen in the house of God without the presence of God in the house. So he said, go get him. What's his name? He says, Elisha said, go get him. Side note, don't ever let culture mess with you. Don't let culture define you. Culture's crazy now, okay? It really is. Just read Facebook. Just read some Instagrams. It's crazy. And it's all going to fail. And everything that's outside of God's going to go down. And when it does, people will be looking at the people of God. You trust me on that. And when they do, don't be ugly about it. Just come back and say, okay, I'll serve you. That's what we're going to do. And that's what Elisha did. He come back and say, what do y'all need? <laughs> I'm just an old boy from the farm. What do y'all need? Well, you need some water, don't you? Mm-hmm. You need a man of God to produce that water. Well, here I am. I'd love to have that kind of church. They needed water, but Elisha said, bring me a harpist. Elisha, we don't need music. We need a water. But he said, I've got to have worship music in order to help y'all. You need water, and I need some background music. <laughs> he goes and gets the Randy Davenport of his day. I told Randy, I said, you're in my notes today, Randy. <laughs> and he said, Randy, I want you to worship now. Randy, come on up. I want all the team to come up. He said, I want you to worship on that harp. We call it a guitar now. We call it a guitar, but a harp. And while the harpist played, the Spirit of the Lord came on Elisha. What's that all about? He knew that he had no hope for them until he got close to God. And he knew he couldn't get close to God unless he worshiped. Anybody want some God in your life today? When you get close to God, he'll talk to you. 
You ever had a dream before? Yep. That's how God talks. God talks through dreams. I had one just the other day. I wasn't asleep. It was a daydream, I guess. But it was a dream. Dreams are birthed in God's presence, folks. And when you worship, you'll hear from God. And Elisha, Elisha said, Rex, God has got so much more for you than you realize. But you've got to stay close to him. And I promised that I would. In the New Testament, Peter and John, after they had been filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and John 3, they realized they were unschooled and ordinary men, Galileans. And the crowd said, y'all really ain't anybody. I'm sorry to use ain't, but that's kind of how they talked to them. Peter and John probably answered back, yes, yeah, but there's one distinguishing feature about us. We have been with Jesus. And when you've been with Jesus, it makes all the difference. So Elisha brought the harpist out. And Elisha would say this, dreams are fine. Dream on. But at some point, you have to wake up from that dream and go do something. You can't just dream. Well, I got this dream. Well, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm just waiting on God now. Well, God's waiting on you. What do I do? Anything, just anything your hands find to do, go do it with all your might. Go find something to do. Find one. You that are been to start here, find one of 14 different places you can serve in this church. Life groups, prison ministry, Sunday school, youth work, volunteering for any kind of duty for any kind of special event working on the parking lot working as an usher front desk and if you can sing try out if you can't go do something else we're doing a take five this summer I love it take five is going to be fabulous it's going to be fabulous people are going to take five hours and they're going to give to people that perhaps need a little time off and it's a great thing and then Saturday the 14th we're going to serve it's serve day it's serve day I've already got the t-shirt you know why because I'm going to be here on serve day because I want this church to be a servant to this city come on whatever your hands find to do it do it with all your might do something There's nothing, there's nothing that'll bless you better than to serve a service and worship a service. Because you get on the other side when you serve, and then you get on this side when you're worshiping. It will change everything. Elisha said to the people, it's what the Lord said to do. Go dig some ditches. Go dig some ditches. What for? Because water's going to come. It's going to rain. Well, Elisha, there's no clouds. <laughs> What's the weather forecast tomorrow? Arid, dry, no clouds. How big do you want us to dig these holes? How much water do you want? How much do you want in your life? You want a teaspoon? You want a bucket full? Or would you like a well? Or how about a river? <laughs> Could you dig enough to make a river flow in your little area? How much water do you want? Well, Elisha, there's, there's not any forecast. He said, go make the valley full of ditches. Dreams must go from inspiration to participation. Do something. Do anything. Just get after it. Go do something. Dig some ditches. Get involved. Make a step. Because faith, sit with me, without works, 
is dead. Keep digging. Then I come to the third point. We're going to do something very special here today. Second king said, you're neither going to see wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink, and this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He'll also hand Moab over to you. Everybody say two words with me. Say, keep digging. You're not going to see anything, but keep digging. God is saying, I can make it rain, kids, without any clouds in the sky. Do you realize that Elisha had a double portion and Elijah had to find a cloud the size of a man's hand on Carmel? But Elisha's one of his first miracles, it rained without a cloud in the sky. Not a cloud in the sky. God's going to dump some things on us. For a lot of us, see, the reason it's important that he did it without clouds is because a lot of us look for signs. Oh, Lord, I'm praying for rain and I see some clouds forming. Don't worry about the clouds. God's the rainmaker. Woo, he can make it rain in your life. He can make it rain in your crop. But we walk by faith and not by sight. It's an important step. The last thing he'd say before he jaws back up to the stands, he said, hey, keep telling the people there, Pastor Rex, to dig. Because they dug in that valley when there wasn't even a cloud. Tell them to hang in there. The 2018 church, Christian Life Church, is going to do mighty exploits in the name of the Lord in the summertime. Would you stand to your feet? Would you stand to your feet? So look on the screen. Here's my last point. Don't base your life on the seen. Base it on the unseen things that God has spoken to you. I'm not going to base it on what I see. I'm going to base it on what he told me. And here's what I want you to do. We've got about, we've got about seven minutes here. I want to do something. This is going to be so tough. It worked so well in First Church. And you folks had church going in here before we ever got in here today. You that want something massive from God, big from God, I want you to come fill the front of this place right now, right now, because we're going to get into a spirit of praise and worship. We got to get close to God, and the way to get close to God is get get worship in your life, and we're going to worship around this altar. We're just going to worship. We're just going to open up our hearts and worship. If you need deliverance, worship. If you need healing, worship. If you need something, God to do something in your life, worship. Just come worshiping today. Worship works. Everybody say, worship works. We're going to sing. We're going to sing a song here. We're going to sing a song called Waymaker. Waymaker. He's the waymaker. Do you believe God's the waymaker in your life? Do you believe he is? It's a unique way to end service, but we're not going to endure summer here. We're going to enjoy the blessings of God here this summer. Lift your hands all over the house. Come on, kids. Sing it right now. Sing it right now. Sing it right now. Here we go.